G'day community, you're listening to another episode of Jock Mailbag. My name is Damo and joining me is Clarky. Clarky, how you doing? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, it's it was not a great week for me. <laughs> not a good week last week. Um, a lot of underperformers and uh, kind of left me waiting a bit, but the all important round three is upon us. So I've made my first trades to try and fix some of the holes in my team and hopefully come out a bit more on top this week. Well, this week is probably one of the more important weeks in Supercoach because it sets your team up for the rest of the season. So you kind of have to look at your team and think objectively about whether you've picked the right players and how well you can fix it before you head into the season and the price rises start. Yeah, I think the toughest thing that comes with this week, um, as you said, I think it is definitely the most important week before the buys really, which is when you're sort of looking to finish out or set yourself up for the end of the season. You're looking to start your season strongly here, but it's always hard to differentiate between, okay, who do I need to get rid of and who am I just disappointed in this week? You know, there's always room for improvement and I think there's a lot of contentious trades happening this week. Yeah, there's a little bit of chasing points. There's a little bit of... I'm disappointed in this player because I paid this much for them. And I suppose we'll get onto that with the questions that we have. And last podcast, I introduced the hashtag jock mailbag and we thank everyone for getting involved on that. We have probably had a record number of questions come through on the back of those hashtags, but it probably also helps that we prompted people to come in with their questions when games were still fresh in people's minds. Yeah. We thank everybody except for patch and Kevin who mocked the hashtag, which has worked. Yeah, Patch is 26 going on 87. Um, I love him so much. <laughs> maybe we should start with Patch's question. That seems like a good place to start. He always got something to ask. All right. Uh, he uh, Well, he wants us to argue over trading Heath Chapman uh, to Jake Bowie. Well... I, there's no argument from me. Um, I've traded Heath Chapman because... You've forsaken all that you believed in. <laughs> he hasn't done what I expected him to do. Um, and at his price, I mean, he's aver- he was, he's he'd scored, what, 61 and then 80 in the first two weeks. So hasn't performed horribly, but hasn't done exactly what I wanted him to do in the first two weeks. Yeah, I think it's his performance. I mean, you know, I think you kind of explained it in a in a conversation that we've had off air. But I think you explained it quite well that part of his downfall for Chapman is that he can kind of play in a lot of different roles and play a lot of different strengths for Frio. So it doesn't kind of lend into we know he's going to score this much because this is the kind of role he has, which means we can expect you know X amount of possessions. The one thing that Patch is saying, though, he wants to trade Heath Chapman to Jake Bowie or Jake Bowie, or we decided off air that we would just call him Jake. Um, yeah. I don't know if Jake is the best option, though. I feel like you're going to get the same scoring profile from Jake. The The biggest upside for Jake is... Christian Salem is out for eight weeks, so injured very early on in round one, and I know... Um, he didn't score that well in round one, despite having most of the game with Salem out. But it looked like round two, 
I mean, Gold Coast butchered the ball going forward, which definitely helped him. You know, he's not going to get 33 possessions every week, but he looked to be playing a little bit more of that Salem role of getting the ball moving out of the defensive 50. He took a few kick-ins as well, which definitely pumped up. Like 151 is outlandish. Like that's a freak score from him. But I don't think it's unreasonable to expect, you know, somewhere in the 70 to 80 range would be reasonable that he could do. He uses the ball very well. So he kind of slots into what Salem does for the D's going out of defensive 50 and moving the ball forward. And he's much better than other guys around him, like Jaden Hunt, who I, I I love him. He runs real fast, very good player, but can't kick, <laughs> can't kick the ball at all and just has some very poor decision-making. Um, the thing that stands out to me about the Jake Bowie selection is there is a void of significance there with Christian Salem out the one worry that I would have is Michael Hibbert is due to return in two weeks. And that could mean that Jake Bowie returns to his previous role and Michael Hibbert then takes that Salem production away from him. So I don't know if Chapman to Bowie gets you the same, gets you a better result. I think it gets you a similar result, making the trade very sideways. I think, yeah, the having the 151 in his price, though, helps a lot more and makes him a lot more attractive than Chapman. I probably I probably wouldn't advise directly doing the trade, though. If if I had to objectively say from a super coach point of view, it's, you know, you've got to be willing to go with Bowie for the long term. Bowie, Bowie, Jake. And Patch has a second question, and there's probably a discussion to go along with this. He wants to know if Luke Jackson is a genuine option. My argument with this is Luke Jackson probably isn't going to be a top ruck, nor is he going to be a top eight forward. I have the suspicion that he will be a roller coaster. He plays as a forward every every second that he's not in on the ruck. Um when he is in the ruck, he's very good, and he seems to be splitting in more ruck time than we probably expected with Gorn. But that's where you're seeing the point differential between what Jackson does outside of the ruck and what Gorn does outside of the ruck. Jackson, when he's not rucking, he scored, he kicked, what, two two goals last week on top of, you know, some really significant possessions and hitouts for that center. Gorn was absolutely cooked that whole game. I... Look, I think he's viable in the sense that you could accept it at his price. You could accept the roller coaster, and then that one week where he scores 140 odd, you'll be really happy. But then he's probably going to score maybe 70 or 80 the next week. But at his price, you're probably going to be less disappointed than you would be with a Max Gorn. Um, the biggest issue with Maxi at the moment, and you know, not to sideways shift to a separate topic, but the the issue with Maxi is he seems to be dropping a lot of points just purely on some unclean play. The roles that he's playing outside of rucking, he hasn't got as many hitouts to advantage as we would have liked. There were points last week where you see him dropping simple chess marks just because he was absolutely gassed. And he's moving between sometimes going forward and sometimes going behind the ball to set up defensively. So he's kind of... and. You know, he talks a lot about it in his interviews when they talk about the team structure and the culture and things like that. 
he wants to play his role in what the team needs at that particular time, whether it's defensive marking, whether it's forward marking, but he's just not as good at those things. And I think people look at the ruck line and think that it needs to be fixed, but I don't think it's going to be something that gets fixed as easily as just trading a player out as well. Um, Brody Grundy, I think, is the only ruckman to score in triple digits both weeks so far this season. And even Brody Grundy struggled to get into those triple digits um, in round two, only scoring a 101. So I think people should realize that there's no other Ruckman really putting their hand up too high. Tim English probably is in that conversation for top eight to 10 forward. And I can understand that trade as long as people use the extra 200K elsewhere properly. Like, in Patch's case, maybe he could turn Gorn into an English and then Chapman up to a George Hewitt or something. That might be a good way to use that extra cash, but definitely wouldn't move Heath Chapman to Jake Bowie. Definitely wouldn't trade Max Gorn if you're picking in if you're bringing in someone who probably isn't going to fix your problems. Yeah, you know, not not to retread what I said before, but I think um, Max Gorn to Luke Jackson is a wild trade. But if you're Patch, I think it's also a trade that I could see Patch making and it working out for him. Maybe, maybe not. Um, Bless his soul. All right, we'll move on from there. I think uh, we've talked enough about that. We'll start to, to jump into some of the questions that our lovely community has sent through on the Twitters. Um, the first one comes from Angeline Bruce. Uh, she asks, do we think Andrew Brazier is the forgotten premium midfielder for 2022? He is in just 6% of teams with an average of 158 after two rounds. I don't think he's forgotten so much as, you know, when we started the season, like I think I could probably safely say that when we started this year, a lot of things have happened that we did not expect to happen in terms of, you know, the underperformance of the fall of Jack Steele, you know, the Ridleys, the, you know, all the Max Gorns and all these kinds of things. Like there are people who out who, who in the preseason before any footballs played were like, yeah, absolutely. Lock them in. No questions asked. Um, even Clayton Oliver, I would say has probably been another one who super coach wise kind of is just, is just achieving you know, like what you would expect. I think Brayshaw was less forgotten and more people built their teams based on the information that we had, which was last year. So um, at 6% of teams, it makes him a great pod though. No surprise I started with him, but um, I have been, um, I didn't, I wouldn't have selected selected him if I didn't think he could perform at the level that I expected. I would have liked to have selected him if, but if I I didn't think, he could perform at the level I wouldn't have selected him. Um, but people who did select him have been handsomely rewarded. And the 189 on the weekend has probably pushed himself into people's thinking. And if you're selecting him based on last week, you shouldn't because those points are gone. But if you're selecting him thinking that he can maintain that sort of high accumulation, high performance, high average, then 100%, I get it he's probably someone who you can look at it also, but it depends on who you're trading out to get him. And I don't think you need to sacrifice 
someone else who is averaging quite well to get him in. Like, say, you wouldn't suggest trading Josh Kelly to Andrew Brayshaw in case anyone has done that. Maybe someone... I did it. I, that, that was me. I, I For a 2K difference, I know the points are gone, but I did the very simple thing of the eye test where I looked at GWS and I went, hey, Josh Kelly knows he's a really good football. I don't like some of that football that he's doing there. And then I watched the Fremantle game and I look at Andrew Brayshaw and I'm like, ooh, that's good. I like this, but I love this. And we have to remember that Leon Cameron is the Giants coach and he literally will play players anywhere that isn't their position. Yeah, whatever works. Throw the dartboard. So Andrew Brayshaw might be the forgotten primo mid right now, but I don't think he's going to be forgotten for that long. I think he eventually makes his way into a large number of teams. I don't know if he gets to a high, high ownership, but I think he gets up to a higher ownership over the next few weeks or months. I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe just under 10% before the round starts if that so happened, and then probably around the buys, if he's still performing, that number's going to shoot right up. So great pot if you have him at the moment. We'll stay at Fremantle for the next two questions. Uh, Jess has asked, uh, at Jesse Spanner, has asked, is Hayden Young a genuine breakout contender? And my answer is, I have no clue. He has performed pretty well over these first two weeks, but I don't know if this is a breakout or if this is the ball being in Fremantle's defense way more than it should be. Look, if you don't know, I certainly don't know. Um, I like the pick, though. If you think he is, I don't mind the selection. I just don't know if this form is sustainable. Look, I'm always a um, I'm always a firm believer in uh, back yourself and double down. So, to be honest, there are worse guys you can take a punt on. Uh, if Lucky Whitfield hasn't worked out for you and you want to still roll that dice, why not Hayden Young? And the next question is from Craig Johnson. Uh, is it a concern that Will Brody is only playing sixty percent time on ground? He only played 30% of the last quarter versus the Saints. Uh, if he's going to average 90, I don't care how long he's, he spends on the ground, but his endurance hasn't been a highlight of his AFL career so far. I, um, I'm with you on that. I think, look, when you're looking at a guy for like points per minute and he's scoring like that, I'm not bothered if if he doesn't play a majority of the final quarter, you know, he finished the day with 26 disposals, you know, a lot of, a lot of good, you know, even 60% time on ground, 26 disposals, some decent, decent stats along the line there. I'm just trying to find the one that I'm thinking of, but I can't find it. So never mind. Um, that's not something to be concerned about. I don't think, because he still managed to score what 70 or 80 odd in round one as well. Yep. I think he scored 85 or something in round one. Brilliant. So. That's what we wanted. Um, I've got no issue with his time on ground. I think they're going to try and increase his time on ground as the season progresses. It doesn't sound like his spot in the team is in jeopardy anytime soon, especially with Nat Fife out for six weeks after that back surgery. So 
I think he's okay to hold, and in six weeks' time, he might have fattened up enough to move on anyway. Yeah, perfect. Uh, next question comes from Frio Girl, with lots of emojis in her name. Who is the best rookie defender debuting last week to get in and play on field, or is Gibkus worth the extra cash to get over them? Uh, we discussed the questions before we went to edge so that we could have our answers in order, and I, and I said... The great thing about the defenders that debuted last week, so Josh Sin, Nathan O'Driscoll, I can't remember who else. Wanganine Millera. Uh, Wanganine M- Malera. Malera. D- does he count, though, because he was the sub in round one? Uh, well, he didn't play. He didn't register any Supercoach stats in round one. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and say that he debuted last week. Cool. So Wanganine M- Malera, O'Driscoll, Sin, and then Sam DeConning has only played in round one, and he's due to return this week. Yep. You get another week to look at them before you need to trade them in before their price rises. I don't know if Josh Gibbons is worth the extra cash, but you do get an extra week to look at these other guys. I, yeah, I think, look, SDK... Um... He was out with concussion, only scored the 38. I would pretty much expect him to come straight back into the team because he was only out for concussion protocols. So he's 123K. If you didn't already have him, you know, Geelong seemed to really want him to play footy. So I think we could expect more than a 38. Um, Josh Sin was pretty disappointing because Port were not, they, they did not play the good football. Um, they, they did a very bad football. Yeah, Sam DeConning scored uh, 38 and 57 minutes, meaning that he actually was probably on track for about a score of about 70 in round one if he didn't have to go off with the concussion. And if he's going to be able to produce, if he's going to be able to go at seven points per minute, uh, point, 0.7 points per minute when he's playing, then that's perfect, especially for a 123k key defensive rookie which is great so i think he's going to be okay but like i said you've got another week to look at these guys who've only played one game so far so you probably don't need to make a decision just yet yeah unless it's really struggling for defensive spots yeah um we'll move on from there uh tim has asked He's asked a question asking us what we think of a, of a trade scenario, but I'm going to simplify his question and hopefully this answers it for him still. He wants to know if if 350k left in the bank after trading is too much. I do not think so. As long as you have players on field that will score well, that you are comfortable will score well, there's no need to worry about how much you've got in the bank. Just know that it's make sure you use it when you need to. You save it when you need to. Um, I, this week, traded Lockie Whitfield to Jake um, because if I'm going to pay for a guy to do 70, I'd rather pay 265k. That has left me with about 200k in the bank. I am pretty much leaving that in my bank. Um, not really looking at spending it up because it's going to really give me a jump start when I'm finally ready to pick these guys that are going to break out 
you know, over the coming weeks coming into the buys and as we progress through the season. So there's nothing wrong with having 350k, but make sure you've spent the money where you need to and make sure you've got players who are performing. Yep. And um, I always tell people the less money you have on the field, the less points is being scored for your team. I don't think that's the case this season, or at least not this the, the case in these first two rounds, especially because it's been a weird start to the season and we're not getting the outputs that we expected from the players that we were so sure about. So I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way to set up your team heading into round three and beyond like there has been usually. So I'm not so worried about the 350k or an amount of money left in your bank as I would usually. Um, The one thing that he has flagged was it would leave eight rookies on his field if he does this, this trade scenario. And I'm just thinking about it. I think I have the same amount on my field. Uh, Let me do a count on mine. Uh, One, two, three. I've got about six or so on my team. So I don't look, I don't think eight is bad. There's a few rookies out there who are actually performing quite well. Um, I mean, looking as well at the trades that you've suggested, not to go very directly into the scenario, um, but the options that you're looking at to bring in. So he's looking at thinking English Crips or Sherry, who I'm sure we'll touch on all three of those guys. We've already touched on English a little bit. They're also really good options. Just remember that spending money on those guys, yes, it does limit cash generation and things like that, but you're bringing those guys in because you think they can score well, or they're going to make money. Those are the two reasons that we bring players in and out of our team. We're either going to keep them because they're going to score well, or we're bringing them in because they're going to make us money. Those are pretty much the two reasons that we make trades apart from injury. But even then you're only considering guys that are going to do those two things for you. So thinking about your team in the long term, make sure that, you know, be comfortable in knowing I'm going for points and, deal with the rest as it comes like you're still set up to continue forward okay this last question wasn't actually sent through to us directly uh nick martin has been has been named to play by ben rutten for uh this week for essendon Lekdog has advised but don't bring him in early if you don't have him because he's obviously got one more week before his price goes up Seeker, who wrote the Western Bulldogs Procket profile for us in the preseason, has asked, what if it assists him getting an extra premium in his team? So yeah, I, th- I think um, if it assists him getting an extra premium on his field, then I don't think that there's really much we need to discuss. It's just, yes. A move that improves your team is never a bad move. We do always give out advice generally that may, uh, we've got to give it the old asterisks of uh, results may vary, but you know, if it improves your side in the long term, you bring in a primo, then, you know, Nick Martin seems to have some job security. But Leck brings up a good point, And that's what we said to a question before. Don't bring in a rookie too early. Wait until you've seen them in the f- first two games. Yeah, look. I mean, there's different scenarios that works for different people and we've seen it work and we've also seen it blow up as well, especially in the case of Martin Frederick last season. Lots lots of people brought in Martin Frederick last season after he scored a high score in his first game and then 
was dropped for his second game. And of course, back then, last year, you couldn't reverse your trades once a round started. This year, there's not so much that issue because you can edit your trades within a round as long as you're moving and using the same cash. Um, but yeah, we've seen it blow up in people's faces. But in this case, I don't mind the move if it assists you improving your team elsewhere. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's exactly where I fall as well. One thing I will say just before we go into our tips and our captaincy options for the week, a lot of people seem to be trading in sort of panic mode, almost almost as if they think Supercoach is going to end soon. Like, (laughs) people think that there's 23 weeks of the season. We're only two weeks in. If you can't get Crips in, it's not the end of the world. He's not going to score 150 points every single week. There's going to be a point in time where he does drop in price and becomes affordable again for those who missed out on him this week. But what if he scores 150 every week, Damo? That will leave the proverbial egg on the faces of the mailbag. I don't think he scores 150 every single week. <laughs> um, no, you're right. Like it's don't don't make a decision in a panic. We always talk about it. Um, uh, the term what rage trade kind of thing. Um, that goes as well for all other emotions. Um, you know, remember that you picked who you picked for a reason. If you have to move them on because they're not playing. They don't have the role. Like, if there's a good reason, I think we said it earlier about Brayshaw as well. When you're bringing someone in for a reason that is thought out, that makes sense, and you're not just going, well, screw Jack Steele. He hasn't scored 130 in two weeks. That's that's it. I'm done. And that's fine. I can understand people who want to bank that cash. And if that's the problem that you're facing this week, you're doing pretty good. So just remember to like make sure that you're making the trades based on some logic, some reasoning, and that you're, comf- you're going to be comfortable with that decision next week. Otherwise, you're going to be spending trades every week to try and get rid of the new guy that you brought in on a whim. Well said. And I think we can leave the questions there and move on to our tips and captaincy options for round three, kicking off tomorrow night with, or rather Thursday night. I don't know when this podcast is going out. Uh, with Western Bulldogs and the Sydney Swans. Um, I think the well, Jack McRae is obviously a captaincy option. Josh Dunkley That's might it. be a captaincy option. Yeah, named in the centre. Scored a 97 last week, but I think the Dogs looked a pre- little bit down as well. So looking to see them bounce back against Sydney, but Sydney are probably really going to test them. Um over, Isaac yeah. Haney might be a yeah. shout for, for a vice captaincy option as well, if especially if he gets on the end of five goals again. Yeah. Um, but I think McRae and Haney are probably the two best options from Thursday night's game. Safest um, option, VC, McRae, pretty much every week. I'm tipping Sydney in this one by 17 points. I've also tipped Sydney and the format that I'm using doesn't have a margin, but I'd probably venture it in the space of maybe 15 to 18. Uh, Next game is uh, your boys uh, Melbourne against Essendon um, on the Friday night. There's two Friday night games this week. Um, Anyway, uh, Melbourne versus Essendon. 
Melbourne oh. have Melbourne's obvious. It's got Petraka, uh, Oliver, even Gorn is a vice captaincy option. Like maybe this is the week he, he scores 135 again. I mean, who's he really going? Is he going up against Peter Wright and Sam Draper? That's and that's pretty much it. Um, this may surprise you, but I have tipped Melbourne. Um, oh, wow. And I'm going to make I'm going to make that joke every week. Um, I have vice captained Christian Petrarca this week. Now there is some uh, there was some scuttlebutt earlier this week about Rutten maybe trying to tag Petrarca, but you know. I wouldn't worry about that Petrarca owners because it's not going to happen every week. And Clayton Oliver owners rejoice if that does happen. I've tipped Melbourne as well. Um, I don't think Essendon has too many captaincy options. Um, I would have said Zach Merritt if he was playing, but he's out for six to eight weeks. Um, Darcy Matt, Parrish, maybe. Maybe Darcy Parrish. Um, maybe if you're feeling if wild, you could go for Jordan Ridley. But Peter Wright. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> two meter Peter again. He's going to do it. We'll move on to the next Friday night game, which is the showdown Adelaide versus Port Adelaide. Um, Port Adelaide will want to, uh, will want to win this. Yeah. They look at, they're looking quite shaky, but on the flip side of that, you know, who's been scoring really well in a shaky looking port. Zach Butters. Zach Butters is actually, it might be a sneaky vice captaincy option. I reckon. Uh, I I would definitely say that's probably my pick of this game. Um, and to anyone who doesn't have butters and wants to bring him in this week, I would also suggest, hey man, there's no, there doesn't seem to be a lot of downside to that move if you need to move someone to a forward, quote-unquote, primo at his price. Uh, not a lot of captaincy options on Adelaide's side. Um, Port Adelaide... Travis Boak has also been performing quite well for Port Adelaide, and if you've got him, then maybe he might be worth a vice-captaincy selection, maybe. But I think Zach Budis is the one that stands out for me as as possibly the best option from this game. I feel like Boak sits in that category where with Tom Hawkins, where I'm just like, every year I'm like, no, he's he's doing all right. Look at him go. Like, he's he's doing it. And then I'll, I'll never select him, though. Moving on to Saturday, uh, the Giants play the Suns uh, in Sydney. The Giants have been a weird sort of team this season so far. Um, I'm going to tip them, but this is a game where I think Gold Coast has a sneaky chance. Uh, I've tipped Gold Coast uh, because I kind of love them. They're like my favorite underdog team and they make me feel all good in the insides with the Matt Rouse and the Took Millers and Alex Sexton's and Alex Davies. And I, yeah, I think Matt Rouse consideration, Took Miller, 100% consideration. You can't go past either of those two. GWS is kind of a mixed bag though for captaincy options. Um, Matt DeBoer watch. I don't know if he plays, but if he does, I expect Matt DeBoer to play on somebody but also Matt Dubois was the sub last week and may just not get a run this week at, at all uh so who knows what happens in that Matt Dubois space I assume Matt Dubois will go to one of Miller or Rowell and I would probably avoid a captaincy option in in this game if Matt Dubois is named if he is not named I would probably think that Took Miller is the best option 
Yeah, I think it's um it's the same as like the the Oliver Petrarca situation where it's like I think if one of them gets tagged or gets down, the other one has to step up. Um, Matt Rowell owners, he only scored the seventy one last week, but spent a good portion of the game playing on Clayton Oliver instead of going for those ball gets like he usually does, which I think was probably like a I don't want to say coaching mistake, but I think it was probably like a they should have switched him back to he was focused more on following Clayton Oliver around than racking up the pill like he absolutely can. So I think see him go a bit more off the leash this week. Uh, next game on the docket is Collingwood versus Geelong uh, at the Melbourne Cricket Ground at the MCG. Uh, Collingwood have been impressive under Craig McRae to start the season, but I think Geelong will have this. I tipped Collingwood because I do not care for Chris Scott at <laughs> Geelong. And that hurts me because I don't care much for Collingwood either. Uh, probably no real captaincy option in this game apart from Brody Grundy. Yeah, I mean, if you want to be fresh, you could go for like a La La Lupinski. Uh, Dacos, maybe he's due for like a massive score. Um, Nick Dacos Ge- probably needs to get amongst it more this week. Last week he had 22 disposals, but only six of them were contested. Yeah. So, and scored a 53 after his 98 the week before. So I would assume that he would be scoring better this week, but we have to remember he is only 18 in his first season. So there will be games where he doesn't quite score as well, but yeah. he's still probably a must have rookie for those who don't have him. And he should definitely be a corrective trade if you don't have him. Um, Dangerfield owners as well. You can never not think that he has the potential to score a million points. Yeah, Dan- D- Dangerfield can either score thirty or one hundred and thirty. It doesn't really matter that it, it like the wind has to just be blowing a certain way, I guess. Um, yeah. Brisbane against North Melbourne at the Gabba. Lockie Neal is a, a very very tasty option as captain here. Lockie Neal is 100% the only captain option from this game that I can think of. I don't think we need to say much more about that one. We'll move on. Nope. Ca- Brisbane, uh, Brisbane are going to win and Lockie Neal's going to score 130. Uh, yeah, it's at Brisbane. Uh, Carlton versus Hawthorne. Hawthorne? Has Sam Mitchell revived Hawthorne? Sam Mitchell versus Vossi the Bossy. It's going to be, I think this is going to be one of the games of the round, if not the game of the round, just because both teams seem to really be thriving under the new coaching. Um, Maybe some more Hawthorne sleeves. We love that. Maybe. Well, we'll get, well, hopefully Chad Wingard lines up and that'll be at least one sleeve. Yeah. Um, Patrick Cripps, easy option. Um, I don't think you can maybe, maybe Hewitt, Hewitt's still scoring reasonably well, but if you've got Cripps, I think you brought him in this week, go, go for your life. Not much on the Hawthorne side of things though. Uh, the one thing that stood out last week from the Hawthorne put Adelaide game was no Hawthorne player scored more than 95 points. So Sam Mitchell's definitely a make your possession count kind of game plan rather than a accumulation sort of game plan yeah do we so, see it as kind of like a bit of a like a richmond situation where it's kind of everyone's sharing it around a bit too much i think there will be a point in sam mitchell's coaching life where it becomes one player stands a couple of players stand out above the rest but for now i think he wants it to share to be shared around fairly evenly so i don't think there's too much 
on the Hawthorne side to uh, look forward to in a super coach perspective. Um, we'll move on to St. Kilda and Richmond at Marvel Stadium. St. Kilda just won last week. Uh, Richmond completely belted the Giants last week without like half their team. So I'm going to say Richmond will win here, but it is at Marvel Stadium. We know that Richmond seem to play like they don't know what's happening with life <laughs> at, at that stadium. Yeah, maybe the new screens uh, will just blind them and St. Kilda can get the easy win. Um, St. Kilda haven't really convinced me of anything this year. Um, I don't I don't think I can wholeheartedly recommend Jack Steele, but you know he's got the potential for it. So... Uh, I would I would probably avoid this game captaincy wise to be honest. And then the next game is the Western Derby, West Coast versus Fremantle showdown and the Derby. Hey, it's kind of like rivalry round. I remember when rivalry round was a thing. I don't. It's not a thing anymore. But I don't know why it's not a thing. It should still be a thing. But it's a thing this week. Uh... <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Um, I'm tipping Fremantle. Of course, I am tipping Fremantle. I don't know how many players West Coast will get back from health and safety protocols, but the West Coast physio has come out and said he has recommended to Adam Simpson to not bring them all back at once. All right. That sounds like a plan. Uh, look, I've also tipped Freo because you gotta you got to back in the boys. Um, Andrew Brayshaw. Fremantle should get back Matt Taberner this week, which will give him someone to kick to in their forward line. Um, we love that for you guys. So that is probably going to help a lot of things because that was the main thing that let them down, especially in the second half against St. Kilda. They had no issues getting the ball into their forward 50, just could not get a marking target once Sean Darcy went down. So I think if Matt Taberner returns, which it sounds like he's going to be really close to if he does not, actually get up if he's going to get really close to being selected meaning he's not going to be out for much longer um but i think Fremantle probably too strong yeah i've tipped uh, i've tipped you guys by 15 points so it should be fine pick andrew brayshaw if you got him uh, as a captaincy option because hell if he scores another 180 you're laughing all right, so that's the end of the tipping and the captaincy options there. I'm going to go with McRae into Neil. Yeah, I've got Petrarca into Brayshaw. Fantastic. All right, remember, send us a question using the hashtag JockMailbag, and we will see you next week. Thank you so much. We love you.